we've been talking the last couple of weeks about all the surprises that happen around Christmas time. And I hope that some of you are going to be surprised this Christmas in a good way. Uh, I hope it's going to be more than just opening up the mail and getting a picture of someone in their pajamas going, Woo! Merry Christmas! Uh, I hope that there's something maybe that you have just been hinting around that Santa is going to be leaving for you under the tree. And I hope that you are going to be able to enjoy all the things that will happen that will be unexpected. Because of all the surprises that are around at Christmas time, I thought it would have been good then for this year for us to think about all the ways that we are surprised by Christmas, specifically those things that are talked about around the story of the birth of Jesus. And so we've begun each lesson together by reading from Matthew chapter 1, and I want to do that again this morning. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married, but before the marriage took place, she, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have said each week that we've been together that the one thing that will impact your life the most is that very thing that you never see coming. It's when life goes, surprise, and you say, you've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding me. It's the project whose deadline is moved up. It's when you find out the office is being shut down. You get the phone call and your mother has taken a bad fall. Your family Christmas plans have been quarantined. In addition, every time that you turn around, it seems that right now something is being postponed or is being canceled or my favorite, it is just being adjusted, right? And yet we say it's the most wonderful time of the year until it's not. Charlie Brown once told Linus, I think there must be something wrong with me. It seems like every time, it seems like every time I turn around, I want to be happy, but I just don't feel the way that I'm supposed to feel. So how about you? Anybody just not feeling the Christmas spirit these days? Anybody having a hard time getting out a hearty ho, ho, ho? Are you just having difficulty being merry? Well, if you are, don't worry, you're not alone. There are a lot of individuals who are disappointed right now. I mean, there's no way to get around it. This Christmas is going to be different. It's going to be different. And it might have nothing to do with the virus. It could be that this is the first Christmas without your spouse. Or maybe without your parents. Or maybe without the children all being able to come in and be in the nest. And so you're disappointed. Maybe you're also distressed and you're wondering, how in the world are we going to pay for everything? When are we going to rest? And why can't everybody just get along? Why can't my family just agree to disagree? And maybe through the disappointment and the distress, you have begun to feel something that is called seasonal affective disorder. And you feel sad because the depression that you have in your life is real. Seasonal affective disorder takes place when the days grow shorter. And here now in, in fall and winter, the temperatures are dropping. There's less sunlight. And we just don't feel like ourselves. We don't feel like there's a lot of light in our world. And so you put all this together, and you've got the disappointment, and you've got the distress, and you've got the depression, and it's easy to see why you don't feel like celebrating, and then all of a sudden somebody with a jacket like this strolls up on stage and goes, surprise, it's Christmas, right? I wore this for you guys today because I know you're not in a celebrating mood, and we need Christmas, perhaps more than any other time. 
Now look, I'm not talking about hitting all the office parties or the dirty Santas. Uh, I'm not suggesting just binge-marking or, or binge-watching Hallmark movies, even though I did watch one yesterday because that's the kind of dad I am. It was pretty good. It's about cookies and a guy and a girl and It was a Hallmark movie, okay? <laughs> but look, God's ultimate cure for the disappointment, distress, and depression that we feel has nothing to do with the parties and the commercialization. God's ultimate cure, I believe, is found by looking into the eyes of a child. You know, when Tanya told me 19 years ago that we were expecting, and we were excited and we circled it on the calendar, and I thought, this is going to be great. We've got, we've got nine months. We've got nine months to enjoy just the two of us being together, a last hurrah before the baby comes and changes everything. And I couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, there were a lot of things that we had to do. And first thing I found out was that I need to learn how to breathe. Now, I thought I knew how to breathe, but there we were in a class learning how to breathe, sounding a lot like Christmas, hee hee ho ho. And then we had to watch these birthing videos, which if we'd seen these in the beginning, I'm pretty sure we never would have had children. I just sat there and tried to be in my happy place and waited until it was over. And then we had the baby showers. And in order to prepare for the baby shower, I had to go around with Tanya and show interest in all of these little sheet sets and onesies and all the different types of diapers. And the, the thing I kept thinking through the whole process was, you know, she had this little, this little scanner gun. And I was like, man, if I could get that and go into sporting goods, I mean, that would just be, now that would be a great baby shower. And maybe, I don't know, maybe the most disturbing part of the whole process was when, when other women would come up to Tanya and they would see her standing there and she would be great with child and someone would come to her and say, oh, I remember my first. Labor took seven days. And I'm like, why are you telling my wife this? Why are you saying this? And then we had to go and take the extra bedroom and, and turn it into a nursery. All of a sudden, my hopes for a man cave were dashed. And all of this is taking place, and then before you knew it, surprise, the nine months had passed, and now we were at the hospital, and I was tired. I mean, all that preparation and all that planning. Now, now I'm sure Tanya was tired too, but I mean, I was worn out, right? And I mean, I was like, praise God for epidurals. They wouldn't let me have one, but they looked really good. And then all of a sudden, Emily comes into the world, and, well, and everything changed beginning with the focus of everyone's attention. You see, so many friends and family came, and well, all they wanted to do, well, all they wanted to do was look at the baby. All they wanted to do was see the baby. And it was amazing the way in which their attention focused on this surprise. These pictures that you see capture that moment. It's the moment when friends say, hello, baby girl, for the first time. It's the moment when the pawpaw sees his great-granddaughter for the first time. It's the moment when grandmothers realize, wow, if I'd only had her first, 
is the moment when grandfathers begin to think of all the places they will go and, and all the things that they will do. You see, Tanya and I weren't the only ones who had been waiting to welcome our daughter into the world. Friends and family who had prayed with us, who had planned with us and prepared with us, joined us in celebration. Each wanting to hold the baby. Each excited that the wait was finally over. Now speaking of the wait being over, I want you to imagine for a moment a white-headed, wizened fellow working his way through the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, people are all over and they're calling his name. There's somebody there on the corner trying to get his attention. But his mind is somewhere else and his focus is off in the distance. He doesn't pause. He doesn't chat. He just smiles and, and keeps going because he has an appointment. You see, today is the day that a young couple is going to be bringing their son to the temple. It's the day of sacrifice. It's the day of dedication. But for Simeon, it is a day of celebration. You see, this is the day that the Spirit led him to the temple. Now, maybe he had other plans, and maybe there was a honeydew list, and maybe he wanted to spend time with his own grandchildren. I don't know. But there was a prompting. There was a nudging. There was a knowing that somewhere deep within him, he knew that it, today was the day, and he needed to go to the temple. On this side of the event, I think we understand the prompting, but whether Simeon understood it, I, I don't know. We do know that it wasn't the first time that God had tapped him on the shoulder. At least one other time in his life, he'd received a message from God where the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until, get this, until he had seen the baby. Until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And friends, you've got to wonder what a message like that will do to a person. What does it do to you if you know that you will someday see God? What does it do to you? Does it fill you with hope? Does it impact the way that you use your free time? Does it change the way that you spend your money? Does it influence your attitude towards strangers? Does it affect what you do on Saturday nights and then who you do it with? I mean, we know what it did for Simeon. He was constantly expecting the Messiah. He was living in expectation of the salvation of Israel. He watched and he waited for the restoration of Israel. He's a man that is up on his, his tippy toes and he's watching and he's waiting. He's not hurried, but he is expectant. See, the Greek language is one that is very rich with terms and it has a full stable of verbs that mean to, to look. One meant to, to look up, another to look away. There was another you could use to talk about looking on or looking in. Another means to look at something intently. And there's another one that talks about looking over someone. But then there's, one that, then there's one that is translated there in your Bible. It says that he was eagerly waiting. It's pros dekomahi. Dekomahi means to wait. Pros means forward. You combine them together. You get this graphic image of waiting forwardly. The grammar is poor, but the image is great. Simeon, is, he was waiting. He was not demanding. He was not hurrying. He was, he was waiting, hopefully. He was waiting expectantly. Perhaps this is going to be the day. Perhaps this is going to be the day when I see the baby, when the wait is going to be over, when I see the Lord's Messiah. 
There is a calm expectation. His eyes are wide open. He's searching the crowd as he walks through the temple. Maybe today William will see the right face. Maybe today will be the day. You know, if not for the COVID-19 virus, today would be the day that, well, that we would have some special newborns here to show you. See, each year at East Brainerd, we like to set aside a certain Sunday to celebrate the bundles of joy who have been born to the members of our church family during the last year. And on that special day, we would have mom and dad come up with the little ones, and, and they would stand here at the front of the auditorium. A gift would be given, and a, a prayer would be prayed, and together we would celebrate the hope of a future generation. This year, however, we're only going to have the pictures to show you. We, we normally do this during August, but we, we postponed it then, hoping that by here at Christmas time there would be an opportunity. But even though we do not have these children up here in person, we are, we are no less excited about what the future holds for these little ones. And, and we rejoice with their parents and ask God's continued blessing on these beautiful kiddos. Now, I know that there are a few of them who, who are here this morning, but we're just going to show you the picture. There's a couple of them who have already celebrated their, their birthday for a year. They would have been recognized in August, but they were born in 2019. The first is Molly Carson. She was born August 14th, 2019. Little Molly's here today. There's also Hopper Shaver. Born November 4th, already had that one-year birthday. And then we have the babies that have been born in 2020, who for them, 2020, man, that's the best year of their life. It's been great. Reese Legg, I saw her today. Lorelai Seymour. She made an appearance in May. In fact, she, along with these next two, just kind of made appearance after appearance after appearance. May 25th, May 27th, and then May 28th. Abraham Nino followed closely by Evelyn Miller. And then we got into June, and we welcomed Jalen Sales. And Matias Hernandez. As the fall arrived, so did Emir Salvador. And Serena Macario. Followed by Leo Guthrie. And we thought that Leo was going to be the final one for 2020. And then here comes Daniel Montague on December 14th. Just in under the wire. And just like you right now, everybody waiting to see the baby. We join me in prayer for these little ones and their families. Father, we thank you for the gift of children and for the hope that is present with each one. Our prayers are with these families, for these moms and dads, for the 
the big brothers and big sisters. And we ask your continued blessings on them. We pray for their safety. And Father, we pray that for these families that, that they would continue to look to you for guidance, for direction. They would seek your wisdom. And Father, that each mom and dad would would commit themselves to raising these children for you. In your name, for your honor, and for your glory. And Father, who knows what lies in store for these little ones? Who knows what's ahead of them? But Father, we praise you because we know that you are already there. And we know that you love these little boys and little girls. Father, we know that we know that your mercy and your grace has been poured out upon them. So thank you, Father, for allowing us to have just a peek to see them. Thank you for allowing the wait to finally be over for these parents and for them to be able to celebrate with family and friends. And may we always remember the hope that is found in each and every generation. And may we always continue to honor you with every child. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You know, Simeon wound his way through the narrow streets and over the cobblestone paths, and he finally entered the temple courts. It wasn't holiday time, but there were still a lot of people that were there, worshipers and pilgrims. And I have to think that in his mind, he kept thinking, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day. I just need to be here. This could be the day. You know, nobody else had a reason to notice the young parents. People journeyed to the temple for one reason, and that is to encounter God. And no one imagined looking for God in the arms of a simple girl, girl from Nazareth. No one, that is, except for Simeon. Perhaps today, he whispered to himself as he saw them. He walked briskly toward them in the temple courtyard. He excused his way through the pilgrims. He caught up with Joseph, and he stopped this family from Nazareth. They turned and looked at him, and he took the baby from their arms. And he thanked God. And I'm thankful that we have recorded for us in Luke his words. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. You see, I love this story, and I love how that Simeon's wait finally ended in this great celebration because it's a reminder for each and every one of us that Christmas is all about God keeping his promise. Some 2,000 years before Simeon, there had been a promise that had been given to Abraham. And since that time, there was always a remnant who was waiting with, with patient expectation. They were forwardly waiting. Perhaps today is going to be the day. And it's important for us to understand because we live between these two advents. You see, the word advent comes from the Latin, and it simply means a coming or an arrival. And Simeon's response upon seeing the child at the first advent has come to be known now dismissed because that's the first part of the celebration that he utters. 
And now is a timeline word. It indicates the arrival of a moment. Now we can go. Now we can eat. Now we can begin. See, Simeon saw this child as the start of something new. He saw it as one of these now moments, the first day of a new era. Something was now going to be different. The author of life had turned the page and he, he was ready to write a new chapter. Simeon really wasn't sure what the chapter was going to be called, but we understand it as being, as being the last days. The expression that refers to that whole period of time introduced by Christ's first coming. You see, these are the last days compared to those days that preceded the coming of Christ. We live between the advents. The first advent and now the second, which will come suddenly. Come suddenly with the personal, visible, bodily return of Christ. You see, Jesus promised, I will come again. And the author of Hebrews declared, Christ will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Perhaps today is the day. Perhaps the day is the day that we've all been waiting for. He came quietly in Bethlehem, but he will return with a shout, and all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. In Bethlehem, Joseph placed Jesus in a manger. At his return, Jesus will be seated on a throne. In Bethlehem, the just-born Jesus slept, but when he returns, we are told the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. At his first coming, there were very few that actually noticed, but at his second, all the nations of the world will be gathered before him. That's the promise of God. Speaking of this promise, Peter said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but to everyone to come to repentance. He says, but the day of the Lord will come. And because of this promise, Peter asked a very important question. What kind of people ought you to be? Or to put it another way, how should I live knowing that I am going to see God? How should I live? Peter answers his own question in verse 11. He said, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. He said the wait is one day going to be over. Now Simeon knew how to wait for the arrival of the Christ. And the way he waited for the first advent gives us a picture of the way that we should wait for the second. He was righteous and devout and eagerly awaited the Messiah's arrival. Perhaps today the wait is going to be over. But if not, Christmas reminds us to never give up hope. You see, throughout our study over these last few weeks, we have seen a common denominator in those used by God to write the story of Jesus' birth. Whether it was Joseph or Mary or today Simeon, they each live life on God's terms, and they each live life by God's timetable. Now look, all three of these, they all had reasons to be disappointed. They all had reasons to be distressed and definitely depressed. The events of their life were turned upside down. Their plans were interrupted. Their future was unsure. But all three committed themselves to believing God. And they placed their hope in heaven while they waited in this world. So here's what I'd like for us to do this Christmas. I want to encourage you to renew your hope. You see, you're merely in the waiting room right now. 
You're in the waiting room waiting for the call. You're waiting for the answer. You're waiting for the job. You're waiting for the cure. You're waiting for the vaccine. You're waiting for the wedding. You're waiting for the child. And look, you're not in the waiting room by yourself. You're, you're there with, with friends and with family, others who, who long to see God, others who are expectantly waiting to see what God is going to do next. And you're also surrounded by those who, who are unsure if they'll recognize God, unsure what the Messiah looks like, Individuals who are looking to you to see if the Messiah actually does live in your life and makes a difference, makes any kind of change. Is it all worth it or not? And yet one day, one day the wait is all going to be over. Just like Simeon, one day your wait is going to be over. And one look into the face of Jesus and Simeon knew that the hope of his life had been fulfilled and one look into the face of our Savior, and we're going to know the same. Until then, we hope and we wait, trusting God even when our story does not make sense. Surprise. It's Christmas. <laughs>